That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey, welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast back in full effect with my awesome mic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're responding to feedback that my mic was too loud. Not that not Michelle or too soft. Sorry. Too not soft. that Michelle was too loud, but that my mic basically sucked. So um, thanks for the feedback. I forget who gave it to us. I'll have to give him a shout out, but thank you. So uh, Michelle, I, I am also quite loud just as a human though so it might have also just been me <laughs> mm, but that's part of your appeal so i'm just i gotta have the tech to keep up with your <laughs> with your enthusiasm and volume with <laughs> with my very pro projecting voice yes you've um, got a voice and you're not afraid to use it now what are we going to use your voice and my voice to talk about today uh, gotta give it away early because you know I like to chat. We gotta give it away early. What we're talking about. I know you always love to do that. Uh, I always. Well, like if you're to a listener, away. wouldn't you like to know? I'd like to know. <laughs> we're gonna talk about magnesium. <laughs> magnesium. Yes, How did we not talk about magnesium yet? A hundred and whatever episodes well, in. Well, okay. In all fairness, it's come up. It's come up, and I think our favorite supplements. Yeah. Uh, episode, but we haven't done like a spotlight on magnesium like just to really get into it like the science the 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 nerdy stuff but also the benefits the different types of supplements like we're going to kind of go through all of that today just so that the audience has a great awareness and clinicians can be reminded about certain things as well because we do I like to think that we appeal to all peoples <laughs> yes all the peoples okay so fun facts magnesium is the fourth most common cation so it's a positively charged ion in the human body it's the second most common intracellular so inside the cell cation and the most common intracellular divalent cation for all those nerds out there y'all are psyched now eh um so i thought i that am was one of those nerds thank you, you for are. sharing that <laughs> uh it's required for about 300 over 300 enzymatic functions in the human body. Uh, so it's not to be taken lightly, like it's a heavy hitter when it comes to its responsibilities and its its effects on how our body shows up for us. So that's a lot of reactions. I think that might be more than even iron. Uh, I believe iron's in the high hundreds, uh, like in between one and 200, higher, higher to two, closer to two. Um, but all the real hardcore nerds can can crucify me if that's wrong. I I think uh, my point is it's uh, PFI, pretty something important. Just say it, it's pretty fucking important. Oh my god, <laughs> you 
did it. Listen, we've we've dropped some uh, swear bombs on here before, and I'm not sorry, Grandma. Oh, sorry, Grandma. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's it's damn important, and it's it's everywhere. And uh, I think did you say it's the second most uh, uh, common uh, cation? in the cell intracellular intracellular yeah 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 Yeah, second most second most common which is like that's it's kind of a big deal and i just wanted to speak on the fact that like 300 enzymatic reactions that we've been able to quantify and that we know of because we still really don't don't understand the human body it's it's so it's almost like magic what happens in our body and we have not been able to really crack the code on everything as humans so Still, still trying gonna go down trying (laughs) <laughs> in a blaze of glory yeah so yeah um okay so so i'll, I'll also say just from before we get uh too too much further we're kind of like um putting together some of uh some information from one of michelle's favorite go-to resources right dr james what's it nicotiano what is- d dr james d nicolantonio I love yeah, him. But I can't say it like that. But anyway, well, it's him. it's it's my him book. Smart. Yeah. The, the mineral fix book. So he's yeah. got like lots of the lots of research-based facts in here, which is, is lovely and everything cited. No, he is a cardiovascular research scientist or, okay. or some it's research analyst or something like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So we got him. And then I just I just looked up um uh I looked up a paper relevance to something that a patient brought up this week. So this is, I was going to surprise you with this, Michelle. Um, patient come in, or uh, we actually had a, one of my very few virtuals this week um, oh. telling me about, um, we, we were just chatting because she likes to check in and uh, as a lot of patients do and make sure they're doing the right thing and maybe bring up one or two new things. But she told me what she's been up to. Mm-hmm. One of the things she's been up to is topical magnesium. Hmm. And I was like, man, that's got to be bogus. That's got to be bogus. Topical magnesium. The skin's there as a barrier. Um, but then there's, you know, contrary to that, you have Epsom salts, which clearly work. We, we know Epsom salt baths, which is mag sulfate. Somehow the magnesium gets in you. Um, yeah. And those types lymphatics. of like, yeah. And all those like healing baths and stuff where they have high mineral content, like around the world where you go in, like you absorb things cutaneously. There's it's something a, it's a barrier, but there's also an absorption properties to it too. Right. So, but there, there are people saying, oh, topical is better than, than, uh, you know, gastrointestinal, which is there for absorption. So you can see how this is one of those issues where it's probably, you know, probably both are somewhat right, but you know, these, everyone's condemning everyone else or whatever. So, I mean, the gastrointestinal is there to absorb it. So right. I doubt it's better in some ways. Um, but it might have different effects. And, and, and so I looked up just, I looked up a paper just to sort of see, is there anything like legitimate to this? And, and, it, and it was, um, so that's what we're sort of comparing. Let's uh, the information to is a, this journal article, the PMID for the nerds out there is 287-88060. That's the journal of nutrients journal called nutrients. So legit journal. And, and it's, it's interesting because a lot of what Michelle's bringing at you here from uh, James's book sort of uh, it, it really does superimpose and, and like uh, with what, with what uh, the, the paper says. I, um, I imagine just to comment on that. I, 
I mean, there are topical magnesiums. Like I know ancient minerals make some magnesium gels and like baths and things. And, and I think used locally, it can help in those local areas. Now, whether or not it's superior to oral magnesium probably depends on various things. If someone's digestive system is extremely compromised, then maybe topical is the option. And the quality of the magnesium might make a big effect as well. And we're going to talk about the different types of magnesium. Some of them don't have a high absorption rate and they're used for very specific purposes, like something that's meant to be a laxative effect. So that might also be why there is such a differentiating view uh, on what's better supplemental or topical. So I don't think it's ever just black and white, unfortunately, but I would still prefer supplemental if possible. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I told this patient, I'm going to try it because um, she's, she's legit. Like she's smart and she does, um, she does really good work. She does really good basic um, foundational care and and she takes she takes really, you, you know, she's one of those patients as an naturopath. You're like, you're doing, you're doing great. You're doing better than me in some areas, which is awesome. Right. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Those. Right. Yeah. So, so, and when, she, and when she says it, I, I, I believe it enough that I'm going to try it. I, I do get some cramping sometimes in my, I get like pedal cramping, like a, a cramping sort of in the sole of my foot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try, but then I read the paper and it said it might be uh, better absorbed through hair follicles. I don't have hair on the bottoms of my feet, so I'm not going to probably put it on the bottoms of my feet, but I'm going to, I'm going to try it more on the, uh, like my shins and the, and the backs of my leg and sort of see if that helps, um, hmm. get into lymphatics a little bit easier, uh, through the legs. Anyway, that was the, that was sort of the, um, the rationale or, or impetus to sort of do this, um, talk on magnesium, which we've sort of, we've, talked about um yeah doing previously because like you said pretty damn important um and uh anyway so that's that's what we're comparing that that journal article some of the information in there to to uh, james's book which is he's always it seems like quite practical information it is practical and i like it and i like that it's very well researched like everything is cited and yeah. has a reference, right? So I do appreciate that about him and him being something that's in the research world. I think he also prides himself of always having some goods to back it up. Yeah. Um, just a few other like quick facts before we go into like the benefits of magnesium and stuff. Extra extracellular magnesium contributes to only one percent of total body magnesium. So then stop, stop. Huge, stop. hugely important point. Yeah. With, with the blood being extracellular and the blood being the thing that we really assess a lot of things, including serum magnesium. Uh, right. Through. So, sorry, you keep going. I just want to no, okay. emphasize how important that, that little bit is there. And so, so he even has a moment in the book where he talks about how serum magnesium actually has low accuracy to really be a representation of total magnesium content in the body, but just to corroborate mm. with that little statement. And I think you're right. We need to honor that statement for what it is. And it's Mm -hmm. concentrated primarily in the serum and in the red blood cells when it comes to the extracellular magnesium. But again, that's only 1% of the total guys, 1%. The human body. Yeah. Sorry. And and another one I'll dissect of that is I I used to love RBC values. So like Mm -hmm. RBC magnesium, RBC Mm -hmm. uh, um, selenium, RBC. You can do, you can, because it's interesting because it tells you how much is getting into the formation of those of cells of tissues. And that's really cool. The problem is it, the assumption is you have normal red blood cell formation and normal red blood cell lifespan and stuff. And the more I practice, the more I realize um, that's, that's a, that's an assumption you have to keep in mind all the time. The, the, uh, the lab value I find um, that sort of highlights the uh, 
I don't know, fragility of that, or the assumption is HbA1c, hemoglobin A1c, which, which is based upon the assumption that a red blood cell lives 90 days. I've had people with really low HbA1c. That's because the red blood cells are, are friable and probably getting destroyed much earlier. So they get less glycosylated. So their blood sugar looks better. Anyway, just another, it's, it's mm. labs. You sometimes have to really sort of like um, look at the assumptions of a lab. Yeah, a lot, lab values are are very helpful, but looking at them in isolation and not taking into account all the other moving parts when it comes to the person is still just a freaking number that has yes. no context. So so yes. be careful with lab values. Um, use them critically. Yes. <laughs> uh, the human body contains roughly 25 grams of magnesium, where 50 to 60% of it is actually within the bones. And the mm. remainder of it is in the soft tissue. So majority of our storage is within bone tissue of magnesium. Uh, of, the, of that amount, it says 90% is bound, only 10% is free. In the blood, 32% of magnesium is bound to albumin and 55% is free. So that probably also very much skews our magnesium serum readings as well, whether it's bound yeah. or free. Yeah, you know, oh man, it's there's another thing that I, I should so AD ADD kicking in here, guys. Sorry, another <laughs> another sort of magnesium um, benefit that we we didn't. I don't think you talked about in our little uh, you know pre chat huddle, and I didn't write it in some of the notes that we're sharing hmm. about from this this um, paper. Hit me with it, Dave. Hit me but with it. It's it's the effect of of. Um, so we're looking at the effect of like magnesium biochemically in reactions to directly what it's sort of responsible for. And that's great. And it's an awesome way of looking at things, but what we're not uh, maybe appreciating is its effect on overall pH too. So um, I, I've, I've talked about it before. I don't know how much you and I have talked about it, but it, um, that sort of um, PREL, the uh, uh, potential renal acid load, Mm -hmm. That calculation is based heavily on, I believe it's phosphate, magnesium, and there's a, um, there's a couple other uh, like uh, buffer buffers that you put into this, uh, this formula to sort of get an idea of whether a food is going to end up with a net acid load or a net uh, alkaline load. Mm -hmm. Magnesium is one of the alkaline uh, sources. Uh -huh. So, so there's another, that's another uh, perspective for which magnesium is adding to a likely benefit because the, the majority of the Western world, I, I don't want to be like, too, so, you know, I'm, I'm guilty probably being centric on the Western world here. Sorry. Um, but most of us in the Western world are, are living in a, a, like a more acidic kind of metabolic experience. So yeah. this could be another way in which magnesium's uh, helpful. Uh, that's the end of my ADD rant. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, lo I loved it. I think it was fantastic. Thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so just kind of to go into maybe some of the benefits or what magnesium is required for, just to kind of give our audience a little bit of like some of the many, many roles it plays. Um, 
it's actually very well the fact that most of it is stored in bones should give people a hint that it's extremely important for bone health so osteoporosis should not just be a reflection of calcium intake and deficiency we need to be more mindful of the fact that it requires magnesium it requires vitamin d it requires phosphorus it requires vitamin k nothing is in isolation and we tend to be very myopic about that and i mm -hmm. i would i would like to think and hope that most people have evolved from the i just need to take calcium but unfortunately i still feel like a lot of people come in and it's that always is the primary objective when it comes to osteoporosis is calcium, calcium, calcium. Um, and it becomes a bit of a, a re-education about all the other things that are involved in that. And magnesium is a big one. Uh, another ADD segue. That's a really important thing. I think you're bringing up you've, I'm going to blame you for this little segue. Yeah, I take it. It's interesting that, you know, we talk about the importance of, of uh, calcium supplementation, or at least they did until several years ago, there was a bit of a, a witch hunt on for calcium supplementation. I understand a little bit where it comes from because the interesting thing about calcium is that we, we want, we have like osteoporosis and all that, especially in the Western world, especially North, Northern and Western countries. So like Scandinavia, UK, uh, North America and, and Western Europe, um, where we have the highest intake of, of dairy. Um, and so we're, we're saying, okay, uh, we need more calcium for our bones, but at the same time, we've got so much calcification going on, right? Like and maybe in the wrong spot. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think you were sort of getting at there. Uh, at least partially that's related to what you were talking about is that why would we supplement more calcium? We've, we've got it coming in a lot of the time, but we're, yeah. our body's putting it in the wrong place. And that sort of vitamin K2 comes in and all that. And, and maybe that's something to talk about another time, but it's interesting, right? Cause you got calcium, but we're sort of putting it in the wrong place. Well, to piggyback on that calcium. So calcium buildup in the arteries contributes to atherosclerosis and heart disease. So again, it's the misuse exactly. or misdirection of calcium that is going to lead to those things. And calcium supplementation has actually been associated with an increased risk as cardiovascular mortality. So um, high calcium intake from supplements can be, however, offset by supplementation and adequate intake of magnesium. So low magnesium is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease where high magnesium status is, is associated with a lower risk. But also uh, magnesium can also antagonize the inflammation that's caused by increased intracellular calcium. So that's just another little, like this is where yeah. magnesium helps buffer and, and uh, support the proper use of mineral balance in the system, mm -hmm. as well as vitamin D and vitamin K. But that's going to be a whole other topic, but I just want to keep mm -hmm. it to magnesium. But since you brought up the whole calcium stuff and me again with the bones, I wanted to just tie that in with the cardiovascular risk and the, and, and also like, think about, uh, how we have like kidney stones and calcification of valves yes. and this and that, like we need to, like, it's because there's an imbalance of how these minerals are being used in the body. And that's what needs to be addressed. So, and arguably related to acid alkaline balance, back to what we we're saying about yeah. magnesium having Micro microbial problems and all those kinds of things that also lead to the acid base balance, as we talked with Dave Nelson in previous episodes. So, yeah. um, you know, we are having a highlight on magnesium, and that's not to say it's going to solve all your problems, but because just like we can get very myopic about calcium, I want us to be aware like it's not about being myopic about magnesium. We're just doing a bit of a spotlight to shine it to shine a light on its importance, but again, nothing is ever in isolation. 
yeah yeah um well probably there's probably there's some uh there's probably there's probably some meme about magnesium yeah, you guys and, i wish and, people could see the video on on the on the stupid recording because dave has he had these on before so he has these pixelated cartoon sunglasses as like part on top of his face um for i guess uh, like what are these things called um hot, hot damn anyways he's got some he's got some feature on it's his, a filter a filter okay, that's I the put word it on I put then... on because i was going to say this like there's some there's probably some meme that says i got uh i had like 99 problems and magnesium solved like 90 of them you know like I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one, that sort of thing. That's why I put the glasses on because I thought it was, it was like proper gangster style. I know, I but you say. you started with the glasses and then you took them away. And then I started taking you seriously again. And then you just yeah. flipped them back on and you threw me for a loop. But I love you, pal. Yeah. Thank, thanks for keeping it fresh. So you got 99 problems and magnesium will solve probably 90 of them. Yeah. I'll take the glasses off again. No, it's okay. No, you might as well just leave them on now. The, 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 the you set the tone for the rest of the podcast <laughs> okay oh, hot damn um okay. so so uh magnesium is also back to being serious magnesium is also extremely uh, important for helping us uh produce uh for synthesizing dna and rna and for reproduction and for protein synthesis kind kind of a big deal like that's so important and, and then I mean, okay, we said 300 enzymatic reactions. We're talking DNA, reproduction, protein synthesis. Like, I mean, that's probably why it's so much, so many of the effects are going to, are going to be um, difficult to notice in everyone, right? Because it yeah. affects every single tissue, basically. So yeah, it's super important to activate our ATP. We, and we know, or we should know that ATP is basically the part of our cells that produces energy to drive cellular function. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, you don't have energy. Uh, it's not good, people. No kind blood flow, no energy, no good. No, it helps with the production of glutathione, which is probably one of the best and biggest when it comes to detoxification, as well as really pumped antioxidant effects in our system. Um, what else you got for for the mags? Yeah, so I mean, just interject in the in the in the middle of all of our. Uh, our specifics here i would say it's it's got to be one of your easiest prescriptions as a naturopath or any kind of yeah. like any kind of clinician my god like uh so many people can benefit from it um and we'll continue to talk about why it's essential <laughs> for the regulation of muscular contraction blood pressure insulin metabolism cardiac excitability vasomotor tone nerve transmission neuromuscular conduction so um man that's a lot of that that touches on a lot of people's problems now here, yeah. here's another thing I found in that paper. Mm. Um, this is what they said. They said early signs of magnesium deficiency are non-specific, which is goes along with it being involved right. in every bloody cell in every, in our in every bloody tissue, um, and include. Listen to these and see if you see any patterns. So the early signs of magnesium deficiency: loss of appetite, lethargy, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, and weakness. Then more pronounced magnesium deficiency presents with increased neuromuscular excitability such as tremor carpal spasm muscle cramps tetany and generalized seizures i i mean i don't think we're seeing tons of people's seizures but it, it would make sense to to try it mm -hmm. so for me what's interesting there if i'm trying to look for pattern i'm always trying to look for patterns and, and big picture sort of right brain stuff it's see it seems like some of the 
the uh, it's more like the GI kind of side of things and just generalized weakness uh, shows itself before the more common signs that we see. Right. So when, when I yeah. see someone with spasm cramps and stuff like that uh, and just like difficulty, you know, maybe calming because magnesium supports inhibitory neurotransmission too. Like it helps us calm our shit down. That's the stuff we're normally <clears> seeing. So <throat> I'm, I'm now I look at this and I go, oh my God, that, that means we're, we're usually had some other earlier signs that we might've missed. Yeah. It's so funny. I was talking to you in the pre-show and, uh, I was looking at just doing some, even like just Google searching and looking at research papers and stuff too. But like, I opened up the one about the Mayo clinic and it talks about, uh, magnesium supplementation. And although it does acknowledge that many Americans don't get enough magnesium in their diet. Um, it also says that, um, getting a few servings of magnesium rich foods daily can meet your need for this important nutrients. Now they're talking about the standard RDA needs and typically those are set not to optimize your nutritional status and optimize health, but as a, as a, as a, um, bare minimum to not be in a diseased state. And those are two very different things. I really want to point that out, right? Being in optimal health and not having a disease are very separate kinds of things. And just settling for the bare minimum is not good enough because the demands on our body today, the supplies don't always meet the demands. And I've talked about this like clients and whatever. So we have to be willing to, to, to really prioritize nutritional status. But it's so funny because they say that, And then it says some laxatives and antacids can also contain magnesium. Why would I expect to absorb something that's a laxative though? Like I find that a funny statement. Um, And then it says low magnesium levels don't usually cause symptoms. However, chronically low levels can increase the risk of high blood pressure, heart disease, and type two diabetes and osteoporosis. So we're just, so for me, I'm just like, so we're not going to care until we go into a full on blown disease. So this is where Dave and I want to start creating awareness so that we can prevent you from getting to the state where you start to need a higher degree of medical intervention and, and support. So I just, I just thought that was a little bit comical from a preventative medicine perspective, being like that does not meet my standard at all. Yeah. Not the forte (laughs) of the Mayo Clinic probably. Right. Like, um, yeah. And, but it, it, it's good. And other assumptions, it seems to be like today we're also taking an aim at assumptions, other assumptions with uh, RDAs. And we talked about this in our little huddle before is the assumption is that everyone absorbs the same, right? That's, that's another funny one. If you think about it, say, say uh, you have like 10 people and they all absorb X, whatever. And X is the RDA. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to absorb 0.9 X. Some people are going to absorb 0.5 X. Some people are going to have like vomiting and diarrhea and not absorb hardly anything. Right. So it's like the amount that goes in is not necessarily the amount that is absorbed. And I, I find that almost comical too that we just don't even really think of that sort of thing yeah so there uh yeah no i love it so there so 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 there (laughs) so um on that note on that note though uh food sources of magnesium so 
in the book, it says the recommended, the recommended, not James's recommendation, but RDA recommendation, have been set at six milligrams per kilograms of body weight per day. However, about 15 to 20 percent of the population is only actually reaching four milligrams per kilogram of body weight per day. So we're still getting two milligrams less than what is necessary. And then the RDA for magnesium in adults is approximately 350 to 420 milligrams per day, where only 50% of the population are actually meeting that according to uh, statistics. So mm -hmm. the RDA is already kind of lame yep. and only 50% of the population is actually meeting that. So we're kind yeah. of in a, we're kind of in a deficit as a general, as a general whole, I would say. Hence why it's like an easy win often to give magnesium <clears throat> to yeah. your patients. Cause honestly, the chances of you being low in it are fairly high. Yeah. Um, he also had a statistic in here saying magnesium deficiency has been found in 84% of postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Again, tying in maybe the bone yeah. acid alkaline link with magnesium yeah. and, and calcium. Let's, let's um, tack onto that, that hypomagnesemia is defined as uh, serum <laughs> magnesium concentration, less than 0.75 millimoles per liter. I believe that's what I find with my life lab. I think that's What's on yeah. the life lab. I think it's like point, I, point, I think point 0.8 the point is the seven? lower limit or something. Okay. Points. It's, it's a, it's roughly around what, what yeah. we found in this, in yeah. this uh, journal. Now, what, what I wanted to say there too, is, is, is that I, I used to run serum magnesium a lot more, um, <clears throat> but what, the reason I stopped running it, well, labs cost money and that's fine. You have to invest in your labs and all that. But I found so many people that was like, really damn sure are quite low or functionally showing signs of deficient functions that depend on magnesium or even more they they did well on magnesium like they slept better felt calmer whatever um and their magnesium levels in their blood were fine yeah and so i didn't find it a very uh sensitive test i just thought i'd bring that up as to you know if you if you do get it tested um sometimes you, you'll still benefit from from taking magnesium, even if your levels seem like they're yeah. normal. It just goes back to that statement we were saying at the beginning where only 1% is really uh, serum and red blood cell related when it comes to what we have in our system. So it's not an accurate representation of the greater, the greater total. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I wanted to highlight a few things. So when it comes to magnesium dependent enzymes and functions, we talked about the ATP synthase. So if there's a deficiency, you might have low energy. You might not be able to carry out vital bodily processes. It's important for fatty acid oxidation. So this will have a direct effect on hyperlipidemia and hypercholesterolemia in your triglyceride levels. So the magnesium helps you burn triglycerides and lipids for fuel. Hey, oh, so for those mm -hmm. who have like cholesterol issues, pyruvate dihydro dehydrogenase, which is going to be using for the burning of glucose. So again, that's going to lead to the insulin resistance and uh, type two diabetes and blood sugar regulation, which you mentioned, Dave, glycolysis, again, burning fuel, uh, glucose for fuel uh tca cycle so this is like for energy storage mitochondrial stuff for insulin production for thyroid hormones it's required it's required for glutathione for serotonin production so if you're not making serotonin then you might have a difficult time relaxing you might have sleep problems you might have chronic stress it's also important for melatonin production which is why often when i dose magnesium i typically give it to people before bed 
it's required for dopamine. So people who have depression or attention mm. deficit disorders and procrastination, it's important for steroid hormone production. So to re physical repair, to protect against stress and to regulate your sex hormones. So uh, deficiencies might lead to fragility or frailty, aging, muscle loss, and chronic stress. It's also important for testosterone production. So it affects your bone density, your muscle mass, your fat burning, and your blood, mood, and stress. So this deficiency can lead to an increased risk of obesity, cardiovascular issue, frailty, and chronic stress for DNA repair. Um, and then also for T cell regulation. So balancing your anti-inflammatory mm. and pro-inflammatory. So it's good for autoimmune inflammation and infections as well. So if you're having deficiencies, you might have a higher risk of autoimmunity if it's part of your genetic makeup or higher amounts of inflammation or higher levels of infectious rates because you're not able to regulate your T cells. So that's just like a really fun little comprehensive list that James put together, which was, I was like, that's awesome because that's a good little for me to scan over. <clears throat> and I wanted to share that with everyone because I thought that summed it up really nicely. You know, what's really cool is, is this, this, uh, this paper had a table of magnesium deficiency signs and symptoms. It's almost as large as that, you know? So, uh, and, and another thing it said in the paper too, which I thought was pretty strong language, the effectiveness of oral magnesium supplementation for the treatment of magnesium deficiency is beyond controversy. Yeah. You know, and so like, this is not some whack. I mean, there, I, I gave, I think I gave three homeopathics today. So, you know, get your pitchforks out people. Um, but um, I also love, I love me some science too. Right. And uh, this is, this one is, is incontrovertible truths <laughs> about yeah. uh, magnesium. It's a pretty safe bet. If you're sort of like dabbling in, in, you know, um, you know, uh, the more conventional side of integrative medicine, this has got to be one of your, uh, one of your, uh, a gateway supplement. Could we call it that? Yeah. I, a <laughs> gateway, or I even find I use it often as like a maintenance supplement just to maintain, even once we've gotten through the, the big overhaul of what we've needed to go through. I find this is one of those things that's like, this could probably just be in your arsenal on a regular basis. I, okay. So good <clears throat> follow up to that is I was when I was listening to you and and James's list there and then sort of looking at this list of of indications or signs and symptoms I don't know if I could say it's a bad idea for anyone I saw today uh, or this week it, it seems like um relevant for so many uh people yeah and uh that's you have to you know Sometimes you have to be careful of that is if something seems too good to be, you have to be careful of that. But this is yeah. another one of those ones where I'm like, honestly, like, I don't look at like, okay, glucose metabolism, like you talked about ad nauseum, yeah. um, uh, re regulation of nervous system. Like uh, that was one, that was one person today. We just had to do something for a nervous system because it's overriding everything. So yes, that constipation, yeah. migraine, yeah. um, my God, like I, I, I can't really think of too many people who wouldn't benefit. And I, yeah. I hesitate to say that, but I, I said it anyway. Yeah. But even like, if we're just even like listing, just like things that would feel more tangible to people like tinnitus, that was apparently one as a sign of a deficiency in magnesium, mm -hmm. like wild or mm -hmm. aggression. Like even there's a list that says confusion and disorientation, aggression and irritability. I was like, <laughs> 
Okay. Well, it seems to have a, that may come from its, its general benefit on electrolyte balance. And That's it. I should also say like, <clears throat> this stuff is safe. It's really hard to have a problem. Now I'm not going to say, go out there and try your best to have, you know, hyper magnesemia, like don't go out there no. and do your best. And obviously, you know, the, you know, this is not what the podcast is about to tell you specifically do this, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that the therapeutic sort of window is huge. You, you're, you're rarely going to get into trouble. If you took too much magnesium, you're probably going to go poo poo. Yeah, that's it. Your body is a fine. And the thing is, is <clears throat> it's excreted by the kidneys. I believe it's like 120 something uh milligrams of magnesium ex is excreted by the kidneys every day through the urine so your body has ways to remove it and as well if there's in excess at a given dose it'll probably cause a little bit of a laxative effect and you'll probably poop it out yeah it's an osmotic laxative that's what you i mean i don't know if they still do it now but that's what you used to take you took a massive dose of magnesium before you went for a, col a colonoscopy milk of magnesia and well, that's, I think that's different. We, we when you, so I had, I had the, yeah, it is. It's, it, I think that's, um, uh, that's a different magnesium form. I believe it's that milky. Really? I know the one you mean the, the one it, I okay. got for a colonoscopy. Yes. I went for colonoscopy years ago. It was not a super, no, what? Yeah. It was not a super fun experience. So it wasn't a colonoscopy. I had a lower, I had a barium enema. It was, it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. We could talk about it another time. Uh, uh, but, yes, please. <laughs> But I, I, um, I took the, it was like a bottle of really, really concentrated mag citrate mm. and man, did I go to the toilet a lot to clear things out. And that's, um, that's a really, really high dose that they they've used in yeah. say conventional medicine for a long time. And, and that is like, usually what, if you took too much magnesium, you just can't absorb it. It stays in the, the lumen of the bowel and water follows salt and you have a very uh, watery poo and yeah. everything comes out um, safe. Aside from supplementation, which we're going to get to more specifics, um, there are like food sources do provide a certain level of magnesium. However, the magnesium content of vegetables since from 1940 to 1999 had decreased by 24%. And that was... 20 something plus years ago already that we've already noticed a 24% decrease. Yeah. And I imagine that over Probably the last worse. 20 years has been a little bit more of a depletion. Um, mm -hmm. So, so this is why some people are always like, I want, like, they'll come to my office and they'll be like, I want to do everything naturally, but like just with foods. And I was like, I respect that. But when you're in a chronic state of like disembowel, like severe imbalance in your system, sometimes mm -hmm. we are going to have to like steer the course with something a little bit stronger that requires a supplement or an herb or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is where, uh, advocating for like good quality supplementation can really fill in the gaps when it comes to nutrient deficiencies, because let's be real, like our, our, our vegetables and what we put on our plates, as much as I try as hard as I can, it's still probably not meeting always the needs of, of, to, to match the demands on our body these days. So just, just my little two cents, but wow. things like pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, almonds, spinach, cashews, lentils, peanuts, black beans, edamame, like all of those are good sources of magnesium. Pumpkin seeds actually seem to be the highest with 156 milligrams per serving 
So yay, pumpkin seeds. Also, pumpkin seeds before bed also help you produce melatonin. So like that's a twofold they for make, yeah, a good sleep. Exactly. <laughs> they're like they help with five uh, HTP. They also gonna help. Yeah. Um, they're pro. They're full of protein. They've got yeah. keep your blood sugar stable. Antiparasitic. Yeah. They're probably the most underrated seeds. Yeah, I think I love pumpkin <laughs> seeds. I try to keep them in my pantry to just sprinkle them on things periodically because i do think they're fantastic love me some pumpkin seeds i do want to say really quickly too with regard we missed this when we were talking about the whole calcium and uh calcium maybe increasing the requirements for magnesium supplementation if you're if you're if you're uh, supplementing with that also vitamin b6 deficiency will also increase magnesium excretion and promote a, a negative magnesium type of balance. So um, you'd want to also combine B6 with magnesium. That's where I'm a big advocate of like your B vitamins too, because they're also very supportive and they have a lot of cofactor and coenzymatic type of roles in the body. And so B specific, B6 specifically helps with the absorption um, and assimilation of magnesium into the cells, by the way. Oh, yeah. A couple other key conditions we didn't specifically say. Yeah. And I know from looking at this and yeah, asthma. Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, that's a big one. I mean, hard to treat asthma. I would say not the easiest thing to treat. Maybe a massive diet overhaul is always going to give you some benefit, but, but in terms of like interventions, uh, sort of like, um, take this for that kind of interventions, yep. asthma, um, you said osteoporosis, yeah. pregnancy complications. Now I, you know, I'm going to always hesitate in pregnancy to do crazy things, but no, um, definitely. I don't think magnesium is crazy, but you just also want to go off the deep end well, with the dose. We just all go crazy with, for pregnancy, right? We always want yeah. to be hyper vigilant. I've yeah. looked it up recently because I did have, uh, some, some pregnant, uh, patients recently. Um, and we looked up, you know, 400, 500 milligrams definitely seems really, really safe. Mm. um, per day. So, so probably around, yeah, two, two or three capsules of your magnesium. Now, may, maybe that's a natural segue into, um, some of the forms, Michelle, you know, a little bit more about that. I'll be honest. Yeah. I've, I've recently consolidated my magnesium and I'm really just primarily using glycinate, otherwise known as bisglycinate. I think, uh, you can maybe, uh, <clears throat> educate us a little bit more on the other ones. I, my personal yeah. view is that if you need magnesium and, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and you take a certain kind of magnesium, it's not working. And you, if we think we have to try three other different kinds of magnesium, I'm not sure, but that's just my bias. I'd like to hear from you. Some of the, some of the different kinds of magnesium. Uh, yeah, I do. A bit, before we jump into that, I just want to point something okay. out really quickly. Cause you also brought this out and I, and, and I didn't get a chance to, I, I didn't think to bring this up, but you were saying you can have 10 people lined up and the ability to absorb magnesium is going to be different from everybody. And I was thinking like, yeah, like if they've got microbiomes off, if they have low yeah. stomach acid, if they have whatever. So things that contribute to magnesium deficiencies, like if you have diarrhea or you're abusing laxatives, <laughs> If you're on a proton pump inhibitor, how common are those things oh, in our man. society? Proton pump inhibitor. <laughs> right? If you've had bariatric surgery and you've had some kind of surgical or colonic removal, if you have uh, liver disease, if you have any kind of, if you're taking acetaminophen toxicity, alcohol, just alcohol consumptions also depletes your magnesium. 
a lot of people are on proton pump inhibitors and a lot of people have like self-medicated through COVID with an excessive amount of alcohol consumption, <clears throat> right? So things like, like there's little things like this, like there's a huge list in here, but I just wanted to um, highlight a few things excessive or prolonged lactation. So also breastfeeding is going to deplete yours because now you're giving more nutrients to the baby. So you want to be conscientious of what mama's taking in. Excessive uh, or prolonged fasting could also contribute to this. Pancreatitis, like I said, low B6, insulin resistance, excessive sugar consumption is another one. Um, and like things like Crohn's disease, celiac disease, things where there's malabsorption conditions as well. So, so just that's just the short list um, of, of what could create a deficiency in the body. So just to be mindful of that, but also just excessive sweating. If you are an athlete or if you're doing lots of saunas, then you need to be able to replenish your electrolytes, but also your magnesium, because you're going to be depleting more from sweat and exertion. <clears throat> so just FYI, before we get into the whole supplementation form. So, um, there are various forms. I'm kind of like you, I tend to just go to the glycinate first. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that most people are, are kind of like running in overdrive and they need something to help bring their system down at the end of the day to enhance sleep, but also just to encourage good bowel movements. I find the bisglycinate form absorbs well. So it's less irritating in the digestive tract where it doesn't have as much of an osmotic effect and glycine mm-hmm. pairing the magnesium with glycine. Glycine also already has a calming effect on the Ooh, body in I was of itself. wondering if you would bring that up <laughs> obviously what, what do you mean obviously i didn't i don't gonna assume that but i'm i'm impressed yeah so good little good very good add on there that is is worth highlighting glycine yeah. can be helpful for inhibitory neurotransmission michelle so, told you yeah so so relaxation. It's helpful for pain. It helps to lower body. So it says adding the glycine can also help lower body temperature. And we are supposed to kind of like have a, we're supposed to go into slight hibernation mode with sleeping, which is also like where it kind of starts to help you downregulate to go into that deep sleep mode. That might be a big part of that too. Um, and it does have yeah, hence the nighttime <clears throat> utility probably, right? You want that That's... cool down at night. Totally. So that, that's why I typically dose like one to two capsules of like my go-to ones. I usually tell people to start with one and if they need two, they can do two. We don't just jump right to mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, it does seem to have like, it's one of the safest forms and it has basically like the least side effects like diarrhea when it comes to this. So high absorption, uh, low negative consequences when it comes to the magnesium bisglycinate. Yeah, it's, so, a high, it's a high reward to risk supplement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. Um, magnesium citrate has decent bioavailability. Um, but this one I find um will definitely have much more of a stool softening effect. So if I have, if I have somebody who has chronic constipation, this might be more of my go-to. Um, but yeah. still, sometimes I still start on the magnesium bisglycinate and they find that it still helps things, but it doesn't it doesn't get too aggressive. Right. So, um, I don't always reach for the citrate unless it's a really aggressive form of constipation, to be honest. I still usually just go to the glycine. You know what? I'm with you on that one. And I'll I'll even add that the mag citrate powder seems to be even more effective than, than a capsule when you're trying to, uh, support healthy bowel movement in someone who's constipated. 
I, yeah. And I find a lot of people like that one because it turns into a hot drink. And I find some people still get the benefits of feeling like their body winds down and they're better prepared for bed by drinking and that. And then they that still magnesium. get a bowel movement. And they'll still get a good bowel movement with the magnesium yeah. citrate, but um, they still have that good wind down effect. Um, this one actually says magnesium citrate has also been seen to improve arterial stiffness. So the citrate form, which is interesting. And magnesium citrate is good for people who have chronic kidney stones. So that would be where I might choose that one versus another one too, if they have a propensity to build kidney stones. Well, that's, I'll tag on, man, we're starting to know a few things, eh? After 14 years or whatever. Yeah, it's only taken um, about. <laughs> uh, the citrate, uh, that's what citric acid is one of those things that really helps with alkalinity. So um, that's why uh, lemon juice is super helpful for kidneys yeah. and kidney stones and, and, uh, and helping the kidneys uh, take a bit of a, a break in terms of their uh, um, the work they have to do to alkalinize. And uh, yeah, that's where this citric acid uh, buffer might be super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, so mag citrate, another, another use for it, maybe over glycine. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, another one that's making some more that's it's not on my radar as much these next two, but I do know there's benefit. There's magnesium L3 and eight, and apparently it's the best form of magnesium. Um, and it increases magnesium levels specifically in the brain. So it's been shown to have improved cognition in those with any kind of cognitive impairment, um, helpful for ADHD, um, shown to be helpful for Alzheimer's, um, so some people find that it's best to take this in the morning to help with focus and alertness. Uh, so, so that one has been shown more for brain health and cognitive stuff, the magnesium L3 and 8. Um, there's also magnesium malate. Um, I don't use this one a ton because I don't really treat a lot of chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, but that one is good because the malate, binding it to malate, supports the malic acid for ATP production specifically. So when you want to boost that energy, cellular energy production and muscle, uh, the, 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 the ability for your muscles and to show up for you energy and all that kind of stuff, then, then magnesium malate might be the option for you. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is we're um, back to the three and eight. Maybe that's mm. where the the use of magnesium for the incontrovertible use of magnesium for migraine prevention might come into. Migraine is another one that I believe mm. is supported by some very conventional uh, migraine specialists. Uh, you you can argue with magnesium for some things, and that's another one. Migraines. I see. Mm -hmm. So have you have you used magnesium chloride a lot? No. So that's what I'm going to uh, spray on my uh, feet. So do you know what's interesting? Because my patient I, told me. I'm to. not very familiar with magnesium chloride. So that's why like, I love having these like little highlights because then I feel like it reaffirms or reeducates me or just completely brings something new into my radar. But according to this, magnesium chloride is one of the best magnesiums for digestive issues because the extra chloride helps to produce stomach acid and it's why it's helpful to treat digestive disorders. How am I just realizing this? Hmm. It's just not common, I don't think, in a supplemental form, at least not in Canada. Chloride, I, I, I definitely don't see it very often. No. I'd say, say even less than um, mag oxide. Yeah, and it says it's been shown to improve insulin sensitivity and metabolic control in type 2 diabetes. And it helps apparently with improving depression. 
So I was like, oh shit, okay, magnesium chloride coming through, but I don't even know where I'd get my hands on that outside of a topical form. So yeah, interesting. I don't know. I, and again, I would imagine all these forms or salts of magnesium have a lot more in common as a result of the magnesium that's in them. That, yeah, um, possibly. But I mean, like they're bound to specific amino acids and things because there's a synergy with how those things support and are directed within the body. So I don't know. Um, another one is magnesium taurate, which is very specific to cardiovascular health because taurine can help with congestive heart failure. Um, and then magnesium and taurine also have vascular protective properties. Um, magnesium orotate is another one that I'm not very familiar with. I haven't really used a lot of it, but apparently, um, it helps with heart function, but also exercise tolerance. Which one? Uh, magnesium orotate, O-R-O-T-A-T-E. Okay. So yeah. I th I, there's also um, magnesium aspartate. Um, again, I, I don't know. I, I, we start to get to the point at this, you can, <clears throat> and whether you're a clinician or just a, you know, uh, uh, someone trying to, to listen from patient perspective, you can see our knowledge is trailing off at these, at these different forms of magnesium there's yeah it's, yeah uh, we started with the more more commonly used and well understood ones but i i think what we're getting at here is maybe there's some splitting of hairs that could be done with magnesium but the big picture here is yeah. probably low in magnesium and you might do well to take any form yeah, of it pretty so, much yeah um the other thing is the magnesium oxide so this one is the one that has the lowest bioavailability and i had someone who came into my office and there's an initial visit and they were very proud. It was a gentleman. He was quite proud of taking like magnesium or whatever. He's like, but my, but my, but my poops have been a nightmare since starting it. And I was like, what are you hmm. taking? <laughs> Cause his sleep was off. He's the cop mm -hmm. and he's had various um, trajectories of having to work night shifts and shift work. And now he's on a regular schedule and happy, but he's, he finds that he's still revving too high at the end of the day. And I was like, what magnesium are you taking? He's like, uh, and then he showed it to me and it was magnesium oxide. And I was like, no, like, no. And I switched him to the glycinate. He's like, yo man, I sleep so good. He's like, I'm telling everybody about it now. And my poops are so much better. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. the power of picking the right product and not just mm -hmm. getting Jameson's or Kirkland's or something from whatever, or like Costco is not your place to go get supplements. Cause there's nobody to help to guide you. And you're just going to get mass mass amount of something that may not even be to your benefit guys. So, uh, is that he was taking magnesium oxide and that has the lowest bioavailability. And it really is going to just pull a lot of water into your poops and you're going to shit your pants for lack of better wording to, 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 to be really refined about how he phrased that. <laughs> Gets the point across. Yeah. 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 So, so there, there, there is, um, like I said, for the general public, I think the glycinate, the bisglycinate and the glycine is the one that is my top priority. Um, that's my go-to. Same. I don't treat a lot of cardiovascular stuff. And if I did, then maybe I would be going towards more of like a magnesium orotate or a taurine, right? I don't treat a lot of um, ADHD and, and Alzheimer's. And if I did, and there was a really severe case of it, then maybe I would go towards a magnesium L3 and because I think it's a bit more of an expensive form too, because mm -hmm. it's a bit more specialized. If I had more fibromyalgia and you know, uh, chronic fatigue, I would probably do the malic acid one, but I don't. Right. So I tend to just go yes. with the glycinate. I find it's like a, just a good overall 
it's an overachiever when it comes to magnesium. I find it just really does the job for most people in all fairness. So many people's nervous systems need a bit of like support to calm it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really important. So that one under your belt. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what there's not to love about this particular mineral. I do love minerals in general though. I'm a big fan, but this one's, she shines, she shines pretty bright. Yeah. It's hard to, I can't think of too many patients this week who wouldn't have, I couldn't have. um, Yeah. I'd have a, I would not have a difficult time uh, saying this will probably benefit you in some way. From just the sleep alone. Cause you know, when we talk about foundations and you and I really love to, to drive home the idea of like foundations as uh, like what we need to do to really establish Mm -hmm. optimal health and work from there. And sleep is one of those things that's, freaking foundational. Mm-hmm. And I have had so many people where I just give them magnesium bisglycinate and they come back and they're like, that was like witchcraft. Like I sleep like a champ now, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always like that. Sometimes I have to go into something that really brings down the nervous system and brings down cortisol and whatever. But I always start with magnesium because if that does the job, you're hitting a lot of birds with one stone and you benefit your sleep. So we get that foundations a little bit better too. So that tends to be a pretty good, uh, it's in a lot of my, it, it can, it can be in a, a fair amount of my prescriptions. If, if, you know, I, you know, I, I just started, um, I had a bad night's sleep a few days ago and I, uh, cause it puts me to sleep. Ironically, I listened to why we sleep. Um, by <laughs> Matthew, I think Matthew Walker, PhD, uh, <laughs> Harvard neuroscientist, really good book, bit nerdy, <laughs> but what do you expect from a Harvard neuroscientist? So, um, but didn't put me to sleep because it was, at the time, it seemed quite riveting, um, <laughs> and uh, it. it just it just it just got me back in in really appreciating a lot more of that foundational thing that we talk about a lot. And and it it's been a um, it's so common. It's so common. If you, I don't care like what problems you have. Not I don't care whatever problems you have. If one of your problems is also not sleeping you really need to focus on sleeping yeah and then all the other problems will get a little bit better uh it is sorry that it is like that and that's the way it is when i do an intake i don't it it doesn't matter what people's primary concerns are i always even if i can't get through my full intake i always try to squeeze in what's your sleep like Oh, yeah. before I wrap up because if Absolutely. that's com- if that's been compromised I'm kind of like that's where we're starting because good luck with the body healing because all of your repair happens during sleep so if that's screwed up no matter mm-hmm. no amount of supplements is going to do anything otherwise right like, mm-hmm. so so I always try to make sure that I I address sleep in an initial uh appointment so that I can understand if that is one of those pillars that it needs to be addressed sooner than later for sure regardless of the concerns like you said rest digest and repair it's That's it baby oh man, it's so important so important all right okay magnesium okay. doubt no never yeah exactly <laughs> trick question you didn't bite nailed it 100 <laughs> percent. uh thanks for talking about magnesium with me it was fun it was uh it was a, a good re-education and um uh, i'm glad i always have it on hand here at the clinic because um you people a lot of you people out there might benefit from it so yeah i hope you liked uh listening to our our chat about magnesium
Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Stop recording. <laughs>